one week, several years ago, Nola's speech therapist came out after their session and announced to Rochelle, Nola told me she loved me today. Thinking nothing of it, Rochelle told her, yeah, she's doing that a lot right now. But the therapist seemed disturbed. Well, I told her she can tell me, I like you. I want her to learn appropriate communication. And I'm, I'm not one of her close people that she should be saying, I love you to. Michelle pushed back gently. I, I don't know. She spends one-on-one -on -one time with you every week. I think she identifies you as one of her close people. But I mean, she wouldn't tell her teachers that she loved them. She might. She spends a lot of time with them. And she's three years old. She doesn't differentiate. Well, I just want to prepare her, she said with finality. And Rochelle didn't really need to ask for what. She didn't make the therapist say, prepare her for a world in which people guard those words as if they were somehow shameful. Prepare her for a world in which saying them too readily might make people laugh or back away. She didn't say prepare her for a world in which partners withhold them as a means of gaining the upper hand or prepare her for a world in which friends and family use them or choose not to use them to manipulate and hold grudges. She didn't have to say that she was preparing her for the time when she may learn to swallow those words or stifle them or second guess that impulse that in those days was making her walk up to anyone at all and say, I love you. Also, since she walked in, I'll say, I checked it out and told Nola I was going to preach this. So. You can feel okay listening. That therapist wanted to prepare her because, of course, it was her job to get Nola ready to speak in the world as it is. And the world as it is is by and large not skilled in expressing love. She wanted to prepare her because she feared that if Nola went out into the world that way, it would eventually lead to pain and rejection. And I imagine she thought a little rejection at age three is better than a big one later on. She wanted her to be braced for the pain, help her learn disappointment early, staunch that bleeding heart She figured if this kid could just understand where things are headed, maybe it wouldn't hurt as much when she reached that inevitable conclusion. I think the disciple Thomas is doing something like that. This is the story, of course, that makes him famous, which gives him the nickname Doubting Thomas. But in any other story, he might just be called like Smart Thomas or appropriate Thomas, or like well-prepared Thomas. Because that's what he is. Thomas is someone who understands how life really works. Thomas is someone who is prepared for the world as it is. Jesus has died, and Thomas knows that that means the revolution that he began is over. And sure, he's disappointed, He's sad about the death of his friend, but well-prepared Thomas could see it coming. 
He never expected it to really work. Like smart Thomas, practical Thomas, he was always a little skeptical. He watched the others dropping their fishing nets wherever they were when Jesus called them, but he folded his up and put it away just in case. So while the rest of the disciples are sitting around grieving, distraught, unable to get on with their lives, appropriate Thomas spends an average amount of time mourning and gets back to work. So when Jesus rises from the dead and walks through the walls of the locked room where the disciples have holed up, reasonable Thomas is not there. The next time he stops by, they share the good news. Jesus is alive. The movement isn't over. But Thomas, of course, isn't buying it. Thomas lives in the world as it is, and in that world, people stay dead. And a revolution like theirs, in which poor people are blessed and strength is made known in weakness, that kind of revolution always fails. It can't last. After a few days away from that environment, he can hardly understand how he let himself believe in it for that long, how he spent years with these confused people, unrealistic Peter and inappropriate James, and tells everyone he loves them John. They insist, we saw him. He was right here in this room. So Thomas tells them, look, unless I put my finger in the marks of the nails and my hand in his side, I won't believe. Because everything in his experience says that if people die, they do not come back. Which, incidentally, everything in my experience says the same. If he's going to buy into this unbelievable story, if he's going to go against everything he's seen and known, at the very least, he wants some evidence. Until then, he's not getting his hopes up. He's not letting his guard down because he knows that a little disappointment now is better than a big disappointment later. Better to find out his friends are deluded than to live the rest of his life in that delusion. And then a week later, the group is gathered again, and Thomas is there under protest, probably, or maybe hoping to talk sense into the rest of the group. But Jesus appears, and he lets his doubtful student touch his wound, somehow still trickling red from that bleeding heart in a way which makes no earthly sense. And this is something that Thomas has not prepared for. He collapses in tears, my Lord and God. And Jesus pushes back gently. Do you believe because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Or really the author of John is pushing back gently to us. Saying to those reading over Thomas's shoulder, blessed are you who won't see and yet might come to believe. Because that's what this story is really about. It's about us. I mean, yes, it's about Jesus, but it's, you know, it's Jesus and us. Smart, appropriate, well-prepared people. 
reasonable people, educated and socialized to live in the world as it is, a world that is not by and large skilled in expressing love, a world that guards it and laughs at it and withholds it, a world where it is swallowed and stifled and second-guessed. Jesus is speaking to Thomas and to everyone like him, saying, Dear one, sweet one, scared one, loved one, if you keep preparing yourself for the world as it is, how will you be ready for the world as it could be? Jesus is telling Thomas and, and anyone who will listen to have faith, faith that means deciding what world we want to live in and living there before it exists. Or as the theologian Joseph Sittler says, it's faith is hearing a story about life to which we say, if that were true, it would do. If the world could be like that, it would be enough. The journey of faith begins when we find that story that makes the world beautiful and good, or at least livable. And we decide to live there, whether it's reasonable or not, whether it seems appropriate or inappropriate to others, whether we can point to any actual evidence that the world is like that or we can't. Because unless someone starts living in that world, there will never be any evidence to point to. And if I turn out to be wrong in the end, maybe that disappointment won't be so big after all. If I decide to like waste my life on love for which I have no evidence, maybe it wouldn't be so bad. I could have wasted it on fear or anger or worry. I do waste it on fear and anger and worry. And I could turn out to be just as wrong about those things. Maybe the little disappointment of settling for a life rooted in self-protection, a life of self-censoring, maybe that little disappointment of deciding early on, say at age three, that the world is an unsafe place and love is something rare to be doled out with caution, maybe that turns out to be more painful than spending my life walking up to everyone I know saying, I love you and risking how they might respond. Around that same time when Nola was going up to everyone, telling them she loved them, one night I heard her crying upstairs in her room. I figured she wanted a drink of water and couldn't open the heavy door that was happening a lot when she was three. It had happened three times that night already. So when I went up there, I was prepared to find her on the other side of that door. I was ready to be irritated and stern. But instead, I found her lying in bed, sobbing in the way she does when she's had a nightmare. And my frustration vanished, and I knelt by the bed, and I held her and told her the things that she needed to hear. It's okay. I'm here. You're safe. And maybe because of that conversation with the therapist, even as I was saying it, I started asking myself, what are you saying? What message are you trying to send? What are you teaching your daughter? That she's safe? That you can protect her? That you will be there? Your own experience tells you it's not true. 
that even the people who love you most will disappoint you, that life is full of pain and rejection, that there will be a time when she needs you and you will be gone. And in the next instant, maybe because of that conversation, I answered myself, this is the story I was told. That I am loved, that the people in my life will do their best to protect me, that most people would do the same if push came to shove, that we comfort others when they're in pain, that we err on the side of saying, I love you too much, that the universe is founded on love, that it is its animating principle that I am known and held by one who cares for me beyond measure, beyond understanding. One whom when everyone else fails will not fail. And one who asks me to try to do the same for others, to hold them and try to love them, to apologize and seek forgiveness when I fail them. The story that I am forgiven even of terrible things, and so are others, that we can always start again, that in the end, all will be well, and life conquers death. Good triumphs over evil. Love does win. That's the story I was told. That's the world that I long to live in. The one that could be. I, I don't have any evidence for it. Nothing you could put your finger on. In fact, I've had a lot of experiences that would seem to point in the opposite direction. But I think it's a beautiful story and a powerful one, better than a lot of others I've heard. And if it were true, it would be enough, so I may as well try to live it.